uh, you know, the, the prayer is one more work to put on, the prayer of salvation, so to speak, is one more work to add on to the list. And, and so it, it's, it's very similar to, uh, you know, Brooks here, you know, when I've been over uh, to visit them in Ghana, they, they, they've had, you know, back in, I don't know, back I think in the 30s and 40s, a real influx of, of uh, missionaries come into Ghana. And somehow there's just been a mixture of Christianity uh, with with even their own you know rituals and and sacrifices and everything else and so uh, the, you know, they're more than willing to pray a prayer uh, and, and they'll accept everything said but that's just one more as I always put it one more beat on the chain you know it just uh, it, so but I'm gonna just do this little little illustration and I, and I've done this so many times in different ways and you say why do you keep doing it because I just feel like it's so vital that we get it. Uh, often I'll use the just clear water, but I got to thinking, you know, I'll do it a little, little bit different tonight. Uh, if we look at grace being the blood of Jesus Christ and uh, the salvation through Jesus Christ, the shed blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 100%, it says if it's of grace, it's no more of our works. Because even our works, even our righteous works, even our uh, righteousness is filthy rags to God. So it's, none of it's really good. But, you know, we, we have those two. And they're totally different, totally separate. And what happens, though, is, is that somehow we, we're just so convinced that, yes, we want to take Jesus. But what we want to do is we, we've, got to, we've, just, we've got to feel like we, we, we're adding to we got to feel like that we've got some part in this. But God says if you take the grace and you take any part of works, it says grace stops being grace. And so you, you just don't have it anymore. You, it's, it's eliminated the moment a drop of works goes into the grace it's you just don't have grace anymore. It's been been eliminated, and so uh, it's just it, it, it's something that you could do while you're out soul winning. You can you know, walk in somebody's kitchen and say, "Can I just use a couple of glasses and let me show you?" And you can just use the clear water, and you can just pick up a little bit of dirt and throw in it. But but this is such a vivid to me an illustration. If you look at it, that's not that's not what it was. That's much darker. And the more works you put in there. The, the, the more it's going to darken. And it's, but truth is, all it needs is a drop. All it needs is a microscopic drop into it, and we've got a problem. And that's why, uh, as Ken, you know, we were talking about how many people are really lost in the church that think they're saved, but they've, they've, they've just mixed a little bit of works with it. They just can't turn loose of it. And basically, it's our pride. It's our pride that does this. And so and then it's a... Uh, so we just uh, we're, we're we're just looking at, at that, uh, and um, and I just got messed up here. I was trying to wipe some stuff off. I, I spilled water on it, and I'm uh, trying to get back to where I was here. Uh, now, this is especially stressed to the Jews though in this time period because he is so consumed with his heritage that he struggles to believe that he is not special and that all men can equally receive the spiritual promises of God that he may receive. It, it, it affects his pride so much to think that these old Gentiles over here might be able to have what he has. They are special. 
Well, sadly, again, you know, that's what we can, we can real easily fall into that, that somehow we, we're better than other people because we come to this church or because we, we live a certain way or we act a certain way or dress a certain way or look a certain way. And, 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 and God, this is, it's for us as much as anybody else. This, so it's especially a stress to the Jews because he's so consumed with his heritage that he struggles to believe that he is not special, that all men can equally receive the spiritual promises of God that he may receive. But he must understand if grace was mixed with any works, grace stops being grace, and salvation is only avail available through grace and grace alone. Now, so that's kind of where we were, but, but I, I do want to uh, say this one more time, to, just to get through our heads. This is partly, uh, this is taught because the same reason the Jews struggle with grace, as I said, it's taught today the same type of philosophy because of pride. If grace is all you need, then I'm not better, superior, or chosen because of my spirituality. That's right. You see, you know, you know, if I just present to somebody that it's just grace, it's not, it's not who you are, how you look, how, uh, you know, where you're born, uh, anything else, then somehow, then I'm not special, you know. And so uh, I'm not superior. I'm not special. Therefore, receiving uh, in the mind of pride, uh, we we feel like that we we have earned this somehow, and that makes us superior to other people. And and God says that's just not uh, the way it works. Uh, now, secondly, this is taught, I believe, and especially here. And I think uh, you know, as I said over there, where where I travel, sometimes I say I taught it's taught to keep people in subjection. It's taught to keep people coming to church, keep people giving to the church. Fear of failing to live a life that will earn salvation keeps many coming and giving to the church. But the Lord did not say to the Christian, live for me because you fear me. He said, live for me because you love me. Amen. And that's what we've got to understand and, and, and keep that always in the forefront of our mind. And, and as I told you last week, and I'm about to get into this week's lesson, but I, I want the people of Calvary to come to church for two reasons. I, I want you to come because you love the Lord and love his church. And I want you to come because you're learning and growing when you come. Amen. And, and what, what we're learning is how to love the Lord, love his word, and love his church, and love the, his, other, his children, uh, his fellow uh, children of the Lord. So now that's what I want. Now verse 7, it says, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So it's clear that, that in this verse that Israel continues to seek after God, but if you remember a little bit, going back to uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 2, it says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And so this ties in again. He's kind of repeating that in verse 7. What then? Israel hath not attained that which he seeketh for. He was always seeking for righteousness, but the problem is it was his righteousness. His personal righteousness, and somehow that was going to earn favor with God, or, or uh, God would accept that. Those who chose grace, this passage teaches us, those who chose grace are part of God's elect, and those who do not have, in fact, reject, rejected God's grace. Therefore, they enter into spiritual blindness. Just as we saw with Pharaoh that God is not obligated to continue to give opportunities. 
You see, that this would, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, use Pharaoh and say, you know, about predestination and different things. But, but if you really read it closely, Pharaoh is given an opportunity to choose at first. He's given an opportunity, but when he rejects, then from that point on, God hardens his heart. And here's, what, here's the sovereignty of God. God gives everyone a choice. Here's the, the sovereignty of God. Not everybody gets the same number of choices. Not everybody's going to get the same number of chances. And why? Because God knows what he's going to choose. And so uh, he's, he, in the Pharaoh situation, he basically got one opportunity uh, to, to choose. And after that one opportunity, God hardened his heart from that point on. And so uh, and that's why I say you need to be real careful saying no to God. Because we somehow feel like, you know, we can just got every kind of chance. And, you know, I'll, you know, well, later, 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 later may not come. You may be done. Amen. I know we don't like hearing it that way, but I just believe God being God that he has that, that right. And, and so just as we saw with Pharaoh that God is not obligated to continue to give opportunities, he is God and God is allowed to be sovereign. The Jews who were offered grace and rejected are now blinded to grace. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should see, not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Now, the word blinded here is very, is very unique because we talk about a Pharaoh and his heart being hardened because the word blinded here means hardened. And so it's the same thing. Uh, their heart has been hardened, uh, much like Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It, it also means calloused. And it's a form of the same word used when Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. In Mark chapter 3, verse 4, he says, And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Uh, this word blinded is, is, is very similar to this, this word, their, their hearts were hardened. The, the, this is kind of just some sideline information, I guess, but it fits in this, this text that we're studying through. The passion of the Greek nation was for knowledge which is the present passion of much of today's evangelical Christianity. It's knowledge. But I, got, I want you to understand, knowledge and truth are not synonymous. And that's where they, they make their big mistake. It's knowledge, 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 knowledge. And they grab, 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 grab for knowledge, always grabbing for knowledge. But, but information, which is knowledge, uh, information is not synonymous with truth. Now, the passion of the Romans was power as the passion of the non-religious world today. I mean, everything's about power. Is how much power can you have? But the passion of the Jews that really being talked about right now, the passion of the Jews was, and I believe it still is in a great sense, is it's righteousness. They do seek after righteousness. The de devout religious of our day has the same desire. I think a lot of fundamental Baptists have that same desire. But in both, it, is, it can be so easily become our righteousness, not God's righteousness. 
And this is what we've got to be careful of. We've got to make sure that we're seeking after God's righteousness, not our righteousness. Or, or we're not trying to establish a righteousness with God by our righteousness. We get our righteousness as a gift from God. And so verse 8, it says, According as is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that should not see, and our ears that they should not hear unto this day. Isaiah 29, 9 says, Stay yourselves and wonder, cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. So Isaiah said their eyes are going to be blinded. David said it. The, the people reject the Messiah and reject grace. 11.9 says, And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. Now, uh, one of the things I think whenever the scripture says, you know, like this, and David says, or Isaiah says, uh, you know, I would just, you know, recommend to you, Take the time to, to, to look up where they said it. Go back and find where they said it. And when you do, this is why, you know, when the New Testament quotes the old, it's always a good idea to look back at the original statement. The quote is correct when, it, when we get it here in the New Testament. It provides all that God wants you to have. But the original statement sometimes sheds additional light for us to understand what they of that time would have understood without uh, the explanation being made in the New Testament. And by that I mean this. If you, if you look at Psalm 69, 22 through 23, this is where it says, and David said it. And David, Psalm 22, uh, 69, 22 says, Let their table become a snare before them and, let them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not and make their loins continually to shake. What, <clears throat> see, in this passage says that that which should have been for their welfare. It's, it's making clear that here in Romans, what should have been for their benefit became instead a stumbling block to their destruction. God's making it real clear in Psalms. Hey, Jesus came for their benefit. Jesus came uh, the rock came that we're to build our house upon came for their benefit. And this should have been for the benefit. Is that what should have been for their welfare? Should have come and they should have received him and could have received him. And, and those that did receive him is for their welfare. But it became a trap, a stumbling block to them. Now, what comes next? Uh, you know, I, I really love for it. It's a fallacy to believe that God does, does this because he's upset or angry with them and wants them bound for hell when the Jew is, is rejected. And, but he's not rejected because God wanted to reject him. He's rejected because they rejected God. In verse 11, it says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? He's saying, you know, is this just so the Jews will fall? Is this... 
you know, this, everything that's happened, they've turned their back, they rejected Christ. Is this just so that they fall and destruction comes to them? Is it all about their destruction? But he says here, he says, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. God says, look, their fall has brought salvation to the Gentiles. But he says, he says even that, though, the salvation of the Gentiles, God is using you know, all things work together for good. Amen. To them that love God, to them that call according to purpose. He, 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 uh, he, he said the fall of them has been for the benefit of the Gentiles, but even the benefit of the Gentiles is so that some more of the Jews will be reached. He says, even though it's provoked them to jealousy. It says, verse 12 says, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. God does not do this to punish them, but, is, but to use their falling away to bring salvation to Gentiles. And through the Gentiles who receive Christ, some of the Jews will come to know the Savior. Some of the Jews are going to come, come uh, receive salvation, and he's, it's unique that he says even by jealousy, it's they the Jew is the chosen people. They're the chosen people, and they they know they're the chosen people, and they in pride they they feel they're special people. But all of a sudden, these Gentiles are having the gospel preached to them, and these Gentiles are getting saved. And, and, and watch this. These Gentiles should have a different spirit right now. And we're talking about today, amen? We ought to have a different spirit and a different attitude right now. And so the Jew now looks at them and says, wait a minute. We're the special people. What are they doing having what we're supposed to have? And so it will, through jealousy, causes them to at least seek after what they had rejected. I hope that makes sense. But God, God has blessed the Gentiles spiritually so that he can be a blessing to the world, including the Jewish nation. The Jew desires to please God, but he struggles in doing that the right way. He struggles believing uh, he must please God through uh, his own righteousness. He, he struggles. He believes he's got to please God through his own righteousness without ever receiving the righteousness of Christ. A Jew, as Jews observe the Gentiles accepting Christ and being blessed by God, they become jealous of the relationship the true Christian has with God. This is the Jew's greatest desire, to have this relationship with God, to be special to God. Some come to know Christ because they see the life of the, of the true Christian and the relationship the true Christian has with God. Now, you know, just kind of stop and pause for a moment. What would our life and relationship do to a lost Jew? If we have the opportunity to meet a lost Jew, let's just spread it, this, any lost person, would our life and our relationship with God make them want it? Would they look and say they're jealous of the life that you have, of the spirit that you have, that the attitude that you have? How would they go? 
you see, I believe this is really what God's trying to say to us today. Yes, most of us, we don't cross the paths with many Jewish people. But we do cross the path of a lot of lost people. Amen. We cross the path of a lot of religious people. But how does our life affect them? How does our spirit affect them? Verse 12. I keep wanting to reach and grab one of these and drink it. <laughs> yeah, get it out of the way. Because I've about three times now I've wanted to grab this thing and just pretend it's Kool-Aid. All right. Verse 12, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. The, um, well, I, I'm sorry, I already read that. The um, Romans 11, 13 through 15, look at uh, verse 13 if you, if you go there. It says, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify, magnify mine office. Now, I took that verse just kind of uh, kept it from the rest of them just for a moment. But Paul, I believe, was, was a Jew. And I know he was a Jew. But Paul, as a Jew, uh, he knew that the Jews had rejected the gospel and God had sent him to the Gentiles. He, but I believe in this verse, he's letting everyone know, including the Jewish people, know that he understands the belief that the work he, he is called to do, which is reaching the Gentiles, is the most important work in the world for his life. You see, Paul had, had a kind of an inroad to everybody. He had an inroad to the Gentiles because he'd been called to the Gentiles. He had an inroad to the Jews because he is a Jew. And the Jewish people would look at, look at Paul, and, and I know they're thinking, what, you know, what are you doing wasting your life with these Gentile people? But we got... Paul looking and saying, hey, just time out, everybody. I believe God called me to do this, and I magnify my office. I think this is the most important thing that I could be doing. He understands and believes that the work he is called to do is the most important work in the world for his life. He, his calling is a high calling. Now, Again, when we make application tonight for each of us, sitting in here today you know, because of you know, visiting family and things like that, but we have, we have missionaries, we have pastors, we have pastor's wives. And there are those, of course, from our church here to Sunday school, some junior church, kids for Christ like we just saw, some bus drivers and workers, some that, that uh, work diligently in the food bank, some of the nursing homes. But listen to this, but all are equal in their calling and their importance Amen. to God. Amen. It's kind of what we were taught a long, long time ago that there are no little jobs. There are no little, you know, they're, they're everything, whatever God called you to do. I said this so often about John the Baptist. There's none greater born among women than John the Baptist. What made him so great? Why was there can be nobody greater than John the Baptist? Uh, very simply because John the Baptist did what he was called to do. 
And you know, everybody, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 through 20 says this, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye, and I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him, and if there there were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one, uh, but yet but one body. God says, it, it, you know, everybody's job. Uh, you know, Dennis and Heather are here in Philadelphia, and they're reaching the inner city, and Brooks back here, and, and their family is reaching in Ghana, and and Ken and Candace and, and Nate and Tara, they're you know, in Cincinnati area, and Amber up in, uh, you know, they're trying to reach that that uh, Westchester area, north of Cincinnati, and Amber and 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 Matt, uh, they're trying to do the. Uh, uh, the RU home up in Indiana, and, and and we here at Calvary Baptist Church trying to reach this area of Memphis, Tennessee. You know, it, it, we all are doing exactly what God called us to do. Yeah. And we need to magnify that and, and understand there is no little jobs. There's no nothing that's unimportant. We are doing what God called us to do. Yeah. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. It just, God said, look, everybody can't do the same thing. And if they did, we, we wouldn't reach the world. We've got to be ready to do whatever God called us to do. Verse 14 says, If it, by any means I may provoke to emulation, them which are my flesh and might save some of them. And again, this is, again, he's saying, I'm really trying to let them know how important this job is that I'm doing to the Gentiles and emulation. Again, I'm trying to provoke them to jealousy, to emulation again, that, that somehow those are my flesh. I'm a Jew. I'm trying to reach them. That it might save some of them, that some of them might wake up and look at what's being done through the lives of the Gentiles. And I say again, some of you know, Memphis, the lost may wake up if they just see a church that's alive in Christ. Amen. Paul makes much of his calling to the Gentiles and in the pit of his soul, he hopes that this emphasis and importance on the Gentiles will stir the Jew to jealousy, if nothing else. In verse 15, and I'll be done, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the, from the dead? It's kind of a cycle that Paul says through the Holy Spirit will come to reality the Jew is cast away, the Gentile, which is the rest of the world, will be reached. But one day there will be a receiving and reconciling of the Jews. And it will be as though they were brought back to life again. And so that kind of takes us through verse 15. Uh, this next time, it won't be next week because we got vacation Bible school, but next time we'll... We're going to be looking, it's a really interesting, you know, portion of scripture looking at the tree and how the Gentiles, the picture that God illustrates there, how it was engrafted in uh, and that type of thing. It's going to go through and I kind of cut it off right here because that's, that's, it's several verses going to go into that scenario about uh, the, the tree 
uh, the root of the tree and the tree and the limbs and the, the engrafted limb being the Gentiles engrafted into the tree. And so we'll, we'll talk about that next week. And uh, again, uh, before I stop tonight, I just uh, again want to just one more time say thank you to everybody and uh, thank you for coming out tonight, taking the time to, to be here. I, I'm hoping and praying that that this walk through the book of Romans, we're getting close, you know, coming down to the end of it now. Um, but I hope and pray that maybe some of this is a, a little bit of a blessing to you. If nothing else, don't forget that illustration. It, to me, it's a great illustration when you're trying to work with people that seem to not be able to separate the works and grace. And so you might be able to use that. All right, Brother Allen, if you'd close us in prayer tonight. Fan will be dismissed. Lord, now we thank you for uh, the night. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the time that we had to bring one another's petitions to you. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the program from the uh, King's Kids, Lord, uh, Kids for Christ. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for those that are traveling. Many of our families are traveling now, and some will be traveling in the next day or so. Lord, I pray that you'll watch over and protect them as they go. Lord, I ask you to bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.